Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. What can I say about my next guest that probably hasn't been said already? Uh, so I'm just going to say it. He's a hip-hop god. He's CL Smooth. And I want to welcome him to the library with Tim Monaco. Thank you so much for Bless being you. here. Bless you. Uh, so, you know, I'm going to try to go all over the place in this uh, interview with you. Um, but I remember you, uh, I was reading an interview about uh, uh, a collaboration you did with uh, DJ Crush in 96. Mm-hmm. Uh, Only the Strong Survive. Right. And a lot of that came from traveling around and meeting different people. Um, and so now we're at a place where you don't have to travel around to meet fellow artists, right? You mm-hmm. mean SoundCloud and whatnot, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, do you remember this collaboration, but also are there collaborations? Can you take us back into like, are there collaborations that kind of just happened because you were, you know, you were in the studio at one time and so and so happened to be in the second studio and, from a fan's perspective, we were like, oh, they must have reached out to each other and blah, 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 but they were just there together. Well, to answer your first question, um, traveling the world um, and meeting DJ Crush, which is a Japanese DJ, um, and seeing his work and seeing how he moves a crowd, uh, I just wanted to collaborate with him. He was a, a, a great creative uh, director of music and and... Uh, just the collaboration alone, um, it just felt like it was, uh, not a, a song that you would hear in the neighborhood, but a song that you would hear all around the world that would reach different genres of people who may not know rap, mm. but, uh, li- may not listen to hip hop, but get introduced by, um, his lane of, and the way he does things. Um, going into the studio and I can only recall, uh, listening to jazz. I love Mm. jazz. So anything related to jazz is like a big deal to me. Um, Greg Osby, him in a different studio and working on some stuff and just meeting him Mm. and, and, and getting introduced to the way he does things. What is it about for you? I mean, what is it? What, what is it about jazz that kind of you know talks to you as an artist? As like, what is it? What 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 is jazz able to say that you think maybe even even rap lyrics can't say? I think it. I think it speaks volumes about uh, the waves of life and uh, the ups and downs of it and the mm-hmm. ins and outs of it, but more the inside of how you should feel. Mm. And what you feel like and what the sounds of what you feel like with passion. That's what jazz equates to me. Oh, as. Wow. 
Uh, I want to take us back to 91. In 91, I was... I'm obviously 21 now. But no, I'm 91, I was whatever. <laughs> maybe 12. Uh, <laughs> so at that time, you collaborated with Heavy D and the Boys, with Big Daddy Kane, right. Grand Booba, Coogee Rap, Q-Tip, on a, the track Don't Curse. Right. Um, and obviously, you, you hear that... It's in music in general, you know, I mean, music is an art form. You express it. You curse as much as you want. You curse as little as you want. Right. Uh, but can you kind of take us back to, like, why, what was happening in 1991 that said we need a track titled Don't Curse and it's essentially about, you know, not cursing? Well, of course, um, you know, working with Heavy D was not only an honor, but you got to learn how creative he was and his approach to music and the music business. So having a song like that, of course, uh, coming out of the 80s and infusing into the 90s, there was this new genre of how to make music. And what this did was just uh, bring the, uh, the old guard in with the new and pass the torch and just give you an enlightenment on how creative hip-hop is and and how conscious it is at that time where it's it's it would bring out messages mm. and the messages were so clear and so poignant that it only had a father appreciation for it in giving it um the name 90s golden era right. is was that a is that a tough concept to to bring to an artist you know i mean the concept of being like all right you're going to write a rhyme and you know, you're not going to be able to do any throw, you know, like there's not going to be throwaway words because you're not going to, you know, throw right. a word being a curse. Uh, is that a challenge as an artist to like write something that, you know, not, I essentially not like say, oh, fuck, you know, that type of yeah, stuff. Yeah. I don't think it's a challenge. I think, I think, uh, what, what the challenge was with in that particular situation of making a song was he, he picked mostly all the guys that curse. Yeah. <laughs> so, so to have a song, don't curse. And you pick mostly all the guys that have curse. the language yeah. barriers. Um, you know, it was kind of interesting and, uh, um, creative at the same time. So that's what gave the song, uh, such validity, such, um, uh, weight in, into the industry that had primarily a knot of, uh, explicit, uh, cursing. In '92, when you, I, I want to ask you about Lars Professor because, because um, right. you, because a lot of people don't understand about, and this is not your album, but, but about Lars Professor, Professor and Nas as Illmatic is that he was is so prevalent to that album because he's the one who brought Nas into like studio sessions with Rakim, with you know, and and thus creating this kind of MC we know today as Nas. Um, in '92, what? When you worked with him, what did you know about him prior to it? What was what, was he? I mean, was he how big of a deal was he then? Uh, and what were your first impressions when you started working with him? Well, my first impression was him was he was down to earth and humble, and um, anybody that was around him was that receptive. His family, his brothers. Um, so that's something I could relate to because I was down to earth. This rap is 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 something you do but it's also something you live and and i saw that he was a real guy that lived what every everything he was saying in his experiences in life mm. something I, I i i loved what you did is when you uh collaborated with the cradle orchestra uh and i i, I i'm a huge fan of Vi you know violins yes. and hip-hop and, right. and and rap and i think they just go perfect together 
Um, what was that? Well, one, we'll just talk about that collaboration, but two, as writing process for you. Mm-hmm. Um, how different is it or similar to when you know someone gives you a beat to write versus all right, hearing a live orchestra play for mm-hmm. you and mm-hmm. trying to like write to that? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I don't think it's any different. It's just um, when you're performing it, when you're recording it, when you are in that moment. And each moment is a process, and each moment has its own identity. So when uh, you go into the studio and your writing process may be taking it home and writing it, opposed to writing it right there, mm. um, and and that's the way that's the balances of that. And then you have this beautiful orchestra, which all the samples that you've uh, uh, embedded in your head now come to life, right? And now you have to. Pro- now it's projecting everything is 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 more alive than ever. And then you deliver, w- and you really find out where you belong in it, opposed to saying, "Okay, on a sample, all I have to do is play my role in this. Right. I have to literally be an instrument as well." Right. Right. Now and. Is there, um, no, that's the amazing thing is that when you listen to it, you, and listen to what you did, you're like, oh, wow, CL became one of the instruments, you know? The like, instrument. yeah. And, and, and you do it, you do it really well. Thank I you. Mean, which is kind of, so it's, it's like a go-to <laughs> track. Uh, is there a, uh, I mean, for me, if I knew how to rhyme, which I don't, um, is there a, um, is there a go-to instrument that you kind of just, I guess, fell in love with in terms of like, as an MC, what, like, I, I, if I'm doing a live, performance again i need this instrument in my performance i would i would have to say clearly um a saxophone Mm. Uh, any horn instrument uh is like a signature for me to to either go to war make love process um 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 what's going on in the world politics that horn is what represents uh the, the the forefront of what I'm trying to bring out in my creative process. Uh, speaking of politics, uh, and it's not not just not talk about political agenda, but also, but but in terms of hip hop, role of hip hop in um, in sorry, in 2011 when you collaborate the Roots on uh, the track uh, Our Generation, uh, it was a very empowering track, very uplifting track. Um, what role? When you first got into hip hop, what what role in rap? What role did you see or think hip hop culture and rap music should play in our society or world? And how has that changed or say the same as you've gotten older and more experienced uh, with this? Well, of course, um, growing up and and loving uh, that type of music where it wasn't accepted in the beginning, it was sort of like a rebellious youth movement more than per se hip hop and what the culture meant. It wasn't about the culture. It was a culture that was basically um, had people had to get used to it. Mm-hmm. It, it was such a, more like a culture shock than a culture uh, enhancement. But uh, as time went on, you saw the difference of what politics it played in life because it made uh Guys in the street want to be legitimate and discover that in many of times and situations of life and death and prison and crime that we have talent 
in these areas of people that have all these expressions and all this stuff to say, but no outlet. Mm. And now here comes the culture of hip hop that gives you an outlet, that gives you a platform to speak on. And it just saved a whole lot of lives. Now in today's society, um, which you can speed up 25 years later and you say, well, what, what does it do for society? It's what society has, is done for the music more or less because society has taken over a, a level of standards that some people can meet and other people can't. Right. So it's a, it's a, it's a balance. And, uh, the hip hop generation um, plays a big role in society, even though an older generation can't understand where it's coming from a lot of times because of we didn't have these outlets and so much distraction. We, I came in an era where you really had to be talented to be discovered. And now it's like um, anybody can have a platform because of, um, social media right. and anybody can be heard because of the networking of social media. So, um, you know, times have changed, but what you have to do is you have to embrace the messages and whatever messages are involved in, in pieces of it, you have to get out of it. It is what structures America is what changes America's mind. Did you ever think that, you know, it would be when you, when you first, you know, when you were when you were when you you were, you were drawn to it, and you wanted to do this, did you ever think twenty five years later that it was going to be this big and you know the, the most popular genre of music out there? No, I really didn't. I just knew that it was special. I just knew that it was a platform that I wanted to join and that I wanted to be heard, and I felt that I had a voice that can contribute to the culture. But as you're growing up and you see all these great groups like Run DMC and Houdini and Public Enemy and, and I mean, you, you can't hope but be overwhelmed by, you know, the impact that it has on you and, and how it, um, reflects on everyday life that you can relate to. I want to go back a little bit. Uh, you, you mentioned Run DMC and, you know, you of course, uh, collaborate with them as well. Uh, I feel like that's, you know, that that's the oh shit moment of, you know, being like, holy crap, I'm collaborating with I know legends. Uh, when that happened, when or when that call happened, hey, we want you on this, uh, what was your first uh, reaction? And then to writing for this track, I mean, do you put extra pressure on yourself? Did you put extra pressure on yourself because you're, you know, you're collaborating with the I think, kind of guy I, of rap? I think it was... Um, when I got the call and we went to go visit Russell, and this is the time where Russell was living in uh, Cher's old loft. So we're up there with Russell and, you know, he has no shoes on and he's so relaxed and he's just, you know, we're going to have you do a record with yeah. with the guy, <laughs> you know, like it's no problem and we're just... Like, and in my mind, I'm saying, if this ever happens, I made it. I'm, I'm, I'm officially in this fraternity of music because I remember these guys rolling past me on the street. And now 
this is happening. So it was just like a rite of passage for me. It was, it made it everything official from that point on. It's amazing. Uh, yeah, I mean, I just imagine just like, I don't know, I mean, the pressure to put on yourself in terms of like, because you, cause you kind of want to, I would imagine you want to prove yourself to them, right? Or you want, you know, I mean, I, and I, obviously you're getting the call, so you've already kind of proved yourself that you're worthy of the call and worthy right. of be actually being considered to be on this uh, track. But once that makes it happen, I just can't imagine what you're going through in terms of like, penning and drafts and stuff like that i think what was awesome was that um they actually were asking me my opinion on they're critiquing their work and i'm i was just in awe of that how how they can ask me is that good or how should i approach this just asking me my opinion was 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 like a dream come true and and it just it like just puts you on a platform of these are the Michael Jordans. These are the big boys of the game that I've always wanted to play. And now I'm playing with them. Uh, in 2008, you did an interview with a guy who we co-host. Uh, he's, he's on rapstation.com with Chuck and D and his name is Slatline and hip hop gods. And you talked about having to take a break from mm-hmm. music. Mm-hmm. Um, if you talk about, what, what, what was that moment for you that you realized you kind of, I think you said you, you lost yourself. You, mm-hmm. you kind of, you, you realized you were losing yourself and mm-hmm. you, you needed that break. Um, was it during a writing process? Was it just kind of like, you know, someone called you out on, I mean, a family friend or, you know, somebody you respect called you out and said, Hey, I don't know who you are anymore. Mm-hmm. No, I think it was just the, um, the culmination of the downside of my group, a legendary group that I worked hard with. And we were on the downslope of uh, a breakup and I just needed a break. I needed everything was coming at me so much differently than when I didn't have money. Everything seemed to stay in front of me. Now I couldn't keep anything in front of me. I couldn't keep everybody happy. I couldn't please everybody to the point where it wasn't money wasn't making me happy. Music wasn't making me happy. I needed to find my common ground, my my situation that allowed me to love music and fall in love with music and fall in love with myself because mm-hmm. everything is about a vibe and an emotion and a thought process because when you can't think, you can't create. Is that why, I mean, what's interesting is that, you know, you look at your Instagram feed and, and a lot, and, a, you know, a good amount of it is about your workout, right. your, your, you know, and, 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 and totally get working out makes your mental so much better. Right. Uh, if you don't work out, I, and I know this from my wife, you get very grumpy. Uh, right. So that's why also I bike to work and try to, you know, but so when did your, your kind of your workout regimen begin? When did you start getting real serious about it? But then when did you, start realizing how this had a a real positive effect on you as an artist. I think, um, you know, many artists that have, that become a veterans of the game. Um, when you start out, you have this youthful, vibrant verberation in performance, in, in critiquing what you're doing in the, in the moment of what you're doing And as you grow and develop and get your feet under you and nothing is more, you, you, you tend to get a little bit jaded and nothing is, it's, it's great, but I'm used to this. Mm -hmm. When you get to that point, 
it's almost like you take yourself and you say, wow, I can't get that same thing when I'm older. Mm -hmm. I'm mature now. How do I handle this in a different nature of things? So it was that struggle of, of creating a different platform for myself to, 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 to think and put myself in a position to be greater than I was not chasing that. And what it does is we all want to be successful at what we do. So when we, when we get older and I'm speaking of myself now, I wanted, I'm, I want to book 30 shows. I want to, my mind says I can do it, but my body might not be able to do it. Okay. I want to sound like the record, but my body might not allow me to sound like the record. Mm -hmm. I have to train myself. I have to sacrifice. I have to do all these things, go to bed early, eat the right foods. I think I experienced being on tour one time and I, I, I was on stage and everything locked up. So I knew from then on, this is a mental game. And the mental game is about getting your body right. When your body right, your mind will follow. Mm-hmm. And everything will be in tune and balance with each other. So I take pride. This is the work that you have to put in to be a professional. You have to put in the work. When you're young and you start from the beginning, like I said, it's not a problem. Because you have that youthful spirit. You have that youthful energy that says everything is new. So even if I'm tired, I still have energy enough to absorb it. But as a veteran, you have to work. You have to sacrifice. You have to put everything aside that you would normally do, and you have to stretch, and you have to work, and you have to grind. And this allows me to get on stage and sound like the record and perform the record. Is this uh, your workout? Is this um, – are you doing two th- – are, are you just strictly doing the workout, or are you also – is there also times where during your workout – you a, a lyric comes to mind or an idea for a song comes to mind and you have to like, I don't know, stop texting to yourself or something like that. Or is it really just you focusing on mental health? I mean, health. Yeah. It's about shutting down everything that's about you and getting into your body and your mind and your soul because it's not a game. You can be injured, yeah. you know, yeah. you can hurt yourself. So to focus on that, allows you to focus on everything else with the same intensity, with the same fervor of trying to get gains. You want to gain knowledge. You want to gain that talent. You want to home in on it. So now you want to be challenged in writing. You don't just want to go in the studio and write. You want to be challenged. You want somebody to critique your work and challenge you. So now instead of writing um, at home where you have time, I like to write it right there in front of the person, right there. Like so, I would do everything else, write it right there. So you hear the beat. And you write it, and just write it right there. And com- complete song. Complete song. Wow. And then what is, so, 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 so let's go back to that. So when, when you used to write, write at home, who, who was the, I guess, who was your ultimate sounding board in terms of like how did you know a body of work was complete? Back then, and then now, who's your ultimate? Well, I had a partner back then that we grew from pause button, 
pausing and pausing and pausing the tape and then making it loop over and over. And as we gradually grew, um, as I wrote, I may have wrote two, three songs a day and I would go down the hill and record them and Pete Rock would critique everything I'm doing, everything I'm saying. And he began to listen as an instrument. So now today I have a manager and a set team of listeners that listen, but yet challenge you. Mm -hmm. A good friend that challenged me a lot, people don't know about that, that it has a creative mind of a genius, is Kid from Kid and Play. We go back and forth. He's so knowledgeable, but Mm -hmm. yet he challenges you to be something different, but yet be yourself, but bring something different. Every time you get up there, every time you write something. So when you have these elements, I understand that you need people, you need creative people around you to stay creative. Right. Whether it's your body, whether it's your mind, whether it's your religion, whether it's just you at home, you need people around you feeding your creative creativity. And you're obviously, you're still, you know, you're still obviously being creative today. Right. Uh, you know, you, you released a track, uh, Just In Town. Right. Uh, can you just talk about that track? What, what, where were you when the idea came for the track? And then what was that for you? I mean, writing and collaboration process like? Well, my good friend and manager, uh, Black Carl, he had this producer that he grew up with. And, you know, good young guy. And, um... You know, we traveled out to Pennsylvania and we just put some wine together and smoked some cigars and we came up with this song and, and, and the producer wanted me to just give me a song that nobody would think is you. And putting that together and just playing with it right there, writing it right there and just creating. And we came up with like two or three songs and that, those were one of the songs. Uh, is it hard to, I mean, after all these years, is it hard to think, like, do a song like that that's not, that's not a, you know, would not be a Seattle Smooth song? Right, you know? right. I mean, how challenging is that for you? I want to be challenged. I want to be able to um, push, change the narrative, push the envelope, so to speak, um, um, challenge the system of writing and what is quote unquote your song, like, Somebody will want to give me something to be creative with, but it seems like they would always want to keep me in the nineties with a nineties sounding mm-hmm. record like that. Whereas that, that's not really where I'm at. Right. I'm into fashion forward. I'm into pushing the envelope forward into 2020. That's possible. It's about chemistry. It's about a formula. Can you find that formula that suits my voice and my approach and and most of all my uh, creativity in what we're doing? Uh, speaking of uh, producers and, and challenges, and, and this sounds like obviously a, a good case for one of them, but um, if you think about the, the body of producers you've worked with, yes. um, and it could be this, you know, it could be the, this one as well. But has there been one that? consistently or you know forced forced you to kind of take your lyricism up a level that you at first didn't know you had 
Yeah, I think when I did, uh, when I worked with The Roots and I worked with John Legend on that particular song, um, I thought I was at a certain level. And then they would make me go back and write it again. And then go back and write it again. <laughs> and then go back and write And it. They made me go back and write it again. And it made me understand that I'm not really on the level that I should be on. Mm. I gotta, I gotta step my game up. I gotta, I gotta tune into myself. I gotta find something that drives me from here to up here. And once I've accomplished that song, and it gave me a newfound appreciation about artists and mm. how finicky they are and how perfect they want it and how they want it and how you have to accommodate that and you have to fit yourself into that. Because it's not only is it a good challenge, it's a great situation, and you don't want to ruin that. How do you humble? I mean, how do you humble yourself? I mean, you know, like, I, you know, obviously, Pivoxio smooth, and you know, you mm-hmm. bam, you know, mm-hmm. um, and then you come, you know, and then then you have artists challenging you and right. you know, making you rewrite like fifty right. times. How do you, as an artist, how do you not let, I guess, your ego mm-hmm. get in the way of 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 trying to create uh, good art? Well, because I, I I just feel like the more humble you are, the more strength you exude in the back end. Mm-hmm. See, in the front end, you can have all your feelings, but then in the back end, you're always going to change your mind when it comes down off the emotions and you think about how it is to be humble and put yourself in a position that Jesus would put himself mm-hmm. in. And you're not even in the picture of Jesus. So for you to do that only allows you to gain more wisdom and how to feed your ego. Mm -hmm. But this not might not be the particular formula to feed your ego off. It might be feeding more of your ignorance because this is the challenge. Having somebody critique your work and not like it until they like it. Sure. So uh, that might have been a first. Uh, I want to go into um, your your you're about to do a live performance at SOBs right. uh, on the 24th of November. Uh, I've unfortunately I've never been to a live Theo Smooth show. Right. It's on my to do list. Uh, cool. What take us into a Theo Smooth performance? Like what 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 does the audience get? What 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 do you expect? Uh, what what do you how do you plan it out? Well, first of all, I I treat every. Um, show in every set like a boxing match you prepare yourself you prepare your mind your body your soul to give it your all your 100 percent. and when i get out there what i do is i try my best and to keep it business but so have so much fun because what you're doing you're doing what you love and not many people in the world can do what they love to do so while you're doing it and the great contribution that you made to music and hip hop allows you to work 25 years from now. It allows you to still keep working because you chose the right paths and the right music in life and the right conversation to have in performance. So that's what I think about. I think about winning the crowd and letting, giving the people what they came to see, but just give it a little bit more. Each time you just give a little bit more. And at the end of the show, you feel full, you feel released, you feel like you did your job and you're ready to do it again, just like a boxer does. 
you said, you know, as you said, 25 years, uh, what is the kind of the absolute favorite thing about hip hop that you just, that, 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 that will never let you break up with it, that you just keep, that's why you do it. I think that the underdog is always underestimated and nobody's keeping score how much they win Mm. because you come from nothing and then you can have everything. And that's the underdog. And the underdog is always counted out. And then when they win, it just seems like it's it, it's it feels much more better than the favorite. Uh, it's the great uh, CL Smooth. It's been it's been an honor to have you on the library tonight. Thank you so much. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last.